So Money, episode 847, Kate Luzio, founder of Luminary. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Didn't take any funds. I self-funded this, and the reason I could do that was back to the money question: is I saved my money, right? I've, mm-hmm. I've uh, the bonuses that that we get as bankers. I I put that into savings, and I didn't live above my means, and so I could take that. Didn't know I was going to do that, but then when the tip push came to shove, it was like, why not? So often we hear about startups taking investor dollars or venture capital or taking on debt to start a business. Our show today highlights one woman, Kate Luzio, and how she, thanks to her consistent savings over the years, afforded her own way to launching her business and becoming an entrepreneur. She just decided a year ago to launch Luminary, a new collaboration hub in New York dedicated to providing women with a beautiful and functional space to work and grow their network. And prior to forming Luminary, Kate was the executive vice president and global head of multinational corporate banking at HSBC. There, she was responsible for roughly $2 billion in revenue and teams globally in 55 countries. Kate and I discuss the impetus for her transition into entrepreneurship. We also talk about the reasons behind what seems to be a stagnant level of women in the workplace since the 1980s. Also, couldn't let her go without asking her about some of the money memories from childhood that shaped her perspectives today. Here's Kate Luzio. Kate Luzio, welcome to So Money. Thank you for having me. Very excited. I'm really excited for Luminary, which is your new venture. It is a beautiful, productive, exciting, inspiring space for women and women identified who are passionate about professional development and expanding their networks. It's this hub. It's in New York City. You've been two months now into the launch of Luminary. And I have to ask, you know, I'm sure as you were building this dream, you were looking outside of Luminary and looking at the market, right? There's WeWork, there's uh, Regis, there's The Wing, there's all these types of um, hubs, so to speak, workspaces, which I think is a great sign that there is a need and a a thirst for this, but how does Luminary differentiate? So listen, I think everything that's going on around in this, this kind of new workforce and what are they looking for, particularly for entrepreneurs and freelancers, which is, which is fantastic. But one of the things as I saw in my career uh, at 20 years in banking was, especially the latter part of the, the, those 20 years was Everyone's talking to the entrepreneurs and the founders and the VCs and and those that are starting their businesses, but there's a huge part of the workforce that are always going to be in the nine to five, and particularly women. Um, We have record numbers of women that are re-entering the workforce, that are entering the workforce, and yet we also have you know 1,800 more than 1,800 a day businesses started by women. But my goal really was to focus on the working woman. So whether you're an entrepreneur or you are working in that nine to five, not, you know, nine to five job, there's a place for you. Um, and I just didn't feel that 
those women, those corporate women were being talked to and, and certainly not being talked to by their companies. So how do you continue to invest in yourself, develop yourself, but then also cross-pollinating across industries and levels so that it's not just about senior women, it's not just about junior women or millennials, but focusing on more broadly those two audiences, but really the middle, right? This middle, this pipeline of women in whatever industry they're in and actually accelerating their development. Why not include the men? We do include men. So while our membership is focused on women and women identified, which we feel like is huge, right? We Women love a space where they don't feel intimidated. They want to work together and support one another. We don't exclude men. We welcome them into the space. They come as guests. They can come as clients of our members. They are welcome in a, a, a lot of our programming and events. Um, we had a big event two weeks ago uh, that was co-ed with Gary Vaynerchuk. So we don't want to exclude men. I've worked with men for 20 plus years and they are a huge part of the success of my career. Uh, And they will continue to be major career influencers and decision makers in all of our lives. So we need to work with them versus exclude them as we try to change those numbers at the top. I completely agree. And I want to dive a little bit more into your career. But I want to also, uh, because we're hot on this topic right now of women in the workforce, and I'm also passionate about keeping women in the workforce because sobering statistics out there, Kate, about how since the 80s, the number of women in the workforce has flatlined, basically stagnated um, to the point where We're not really seeing any growth. And there was this new study out and it kind of dug deeper into this phenomenon like it's ironic because more and more women are going to college, getting graduate degrees at higher in higher numbers than men. Um, And in a lot of families, we supported uh, households during the recession. More women are becoming breadwinners, but there's still not as many women in the workforce for some reason. Uh, A lot of people were blaming the fact that as women become moms – uh, there rubs the challenge. Therein rubs the, the challenge where now you have t- the responsibility, the serious responsibility of parenting and working. And some women are totally caught off guard by the financial toll, the physical toll, the scheduling toll, the lack of support at work, the lack of support at home to be able to be present in both of these arenas. And so the shoe that drops is off in their career. That for me is a very scary trend. Yeah. I don't disagree. I absolutely don't. As someone who managed thousands of women uh, and men across the globe, I, I don't disagree. But I also think that it's an easy excuse for statistics aside. I think it's an easy excuse for companies to say, oh, well, we're losing our women because they're all having babies. Um, I, I don't agree. I think that's absolutely um, an issue. But I think one of those issues isn't just because they're having a baby. I think when they try to come back and they want to come back, they're not provided those the same opportunities, right? It's this whole motherhood penalty that we talk about. But I think if we and companies in particular look at investing in their women in a different way, whether they're coming back into the workforce after years off because they did raise their kids, but they still have these unbelievable skill sets, um, or they've, they've had a child and three months later, they've decided to come back after maternity leave if they even get that long and they're not getting the same opportunities. Companies have to rethink how they work and how they support women. Some of that's flexible work. Some of that is, um, is, is flexible work arrangements around where they can work from. 
uh, and hence why we offer the co-working component to, to Luminary. But I really think a lot of this has to do with how are we thinking around women's development and, and career acceleration, as well as mobility within organizations, as well as industries, and supporting the pivot of women? You know, we talk so much about the numbers at the top, right? Why are there no more? Why, you know, how do we get more senior women to, at the top? How do we get more women on board than in the C-suite? Well, if we don't have a pipeline of those women, if you know, back to what you were saying about the statistics, they're not coming back to the work or they're leaving or they're leaving these industries, then what are we going to do? Those numbers will never change. And by the way, neither will the pay gap numbers, because if you don't have more women progressing through their careers and accelerating into leadership roles, then they also don't start making the money that they should be. So you take a small company that has one woman at the top. As soon as that woman leaves, the numbers are completely distorted because they now no longer have senior women at the top and they may not have a pipeline. I saw it in banking all the time. And mm. I, I think it's a bigger issue than the motherhood. Not everyone is a mother, but there's, I'm not a mother, right? But after 20 years of a like, successful career, and by the way, I loved what I did. Um, I decided that I wanted to do more for women, not just within my one company or my one industry, but really how do we make that impact and how do we work alongside with companies? Because that is, I think, your needle mover. Um, and back to your very quickly to your point, we, we, as much as we're women identified and women focused and we don't exclude men, we also work with companies. That's a big part of who we are is working with these companies, not just their women's employee groups, but the company, the lines of business around how do we take some of that learning and development off of their plate and provide that and tailor it to their women depending on what they need not just the leadership development program that 1% of the women get to go to, but really having the women make the choice around what they want to continue to invest in themselves and develop. I think that is so needed because you're right. You can't expect your employer, although be nice, to be your one stop for all these Absolutely. all these needs and all these nourishments um, to be able to have this, this um, sort of ancillary relationship with a place like Luminary, I think can be fantastic, especially because, uh, you know, I think for a place like Luminary for me, like learning about it and I've yet to visit, but I can't wait. I think it's a great, for it's fertile ground for inspiration and networking and connecting on, on a scale that doesn't happen at work because you're just doing the work. Right. And you're also just networking, connecting with the people that you work with, mm-hmm, right? right? I mean, we've, we've all been there, right? small or large company, you go to these wonderful women's events and, and they're usually driven by the volunteer, the female volunteers that are super passionate. And it's a panel and, and you go, oh, hi, hi, I saw you last month. Great. Um, how's <laughs> anything changed? But how do we do peer mentoring across industries? How do we get these women to start talking to one another? And oh, by the way, bringing the men, right? So it doesn't just become this isolated women's group where men can't join and we can't have those real conversations. You know, nobody cares about your career more than you do. So we can wait for a very long time for our companies to pull us up. But at the same time, while they should be pulling, we need to be pushing too. It's a push and pull and it is up to both sides, right? It's a two-way street. And I'm very passionate about keeping women in the workforce. Yes, I'm an example of someone who left, right? And, and again, a year ago, if you had asked if I would become an entrepreneur, I would have said absolutely not. And yet then two months later, I decided to, ter- to start this company. But I'm very focused on that 
corporate woman that really needs guidance, that needs support. And that, by the way, not only do they invest in themselves, they invest in others because that's a big part of what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You say no one cares more about your career than you. I also say no one cares more about your money than you. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Maybe that's a good way to transition to money questions, but, uh, I also wanted to talk about your career trajectory and you did touch on your history in, in financial services. I guess my, my only question around that, because you talked a lot about it already, but one thing that I'm still curious about is what drew you to financial services in the first place? Because you know, stereotypically, this is very male dominated. Um, I, you know, I have personal stories around why I was drawn to financial, the financial world. I liked it because there weren't a lot of women and I wanted to kind of be, you know, I wanted to set an example and, and kind of be out there and symbolically representing women, I guess. But what was it about finance that attracted you? And it's okay to say that you wanted to make a lot of money because I feel like women are afraid no. to say that too. <laughs> um, I think that's what kept me in financial services um, because of that, the compensation component. But yeah, honestly, nothing drew me to financial services. I was not a finance major. I was a political science major. I then got my master's degree in international relations because I had spent time abroad. I had been working abroad in China. And I was recruited by a bank that, that was looking at international markets and wanted someone that didn't have the traditional background. I think they loved that I was a woman that had spent time abroad. And, and I had a, you know, at a very, I think, um, still a young age, a great reputation about someone who's working their butt off. Right. And, um, and I would, I would absolutely say that, you know, not having that background in finance or accounting or even business, because that was not my major. I think that actually gave me a little bit of an edge because I had to prove myself probably even harder than the people around me, particularly the men. Right. So mm-hmm. I didn't come with that background. I was recruited into it. And here is as a, as a young age, I thought, well, I'll do this for a couple of years. This is interesting looking at new markets. And I love international and global, the global, global component. And then, you know, 18 plus years later, here I still was. Hmm. And you and you stayed with it. Were there times where you thought uh, this is not for me and you wanted to maybe take off and do something different? Did you always know you wanted to become an entrepreneur? Oh, never. I mean, honestly, I, I, a year ago, we're talking literally a year ago. <laughs> so what uh, happened? I would never have said that. Well, what, 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 started, shifted? I, <laughs> what shifted? What shifted? A mentor conversation. So um, I, I, have, I, have, I have a wonderful male mentor. I have a number of male mentors, but one particular in banking that I had worked with for many years, and he's known me for 10. And I had a conversation with him just around making a transition to another bank. And he said, don't do it. And I sort of was like, what are you talking about? And he said, Kate, I know you now. I know you for 10 years. This is not what you set out your whole world to be banking back back to your question earlier. Mm. And he said, you're passionate. You love people. You do all this for women. You're great with clients. Um, Why not figure out what it is that you're super passionate about and go do it. And I sort of like, you know, rolled my eyes and kind of, you know, shrugged my shoulders and said, whatever. And I could not get that conversation out of my mind. And a few weeks later, we, we remet and he said, Kate, let me just tell you, you're a senior woman in banking. You have done a great job. You can always go back to banking if whatever else is out there doesn't excite you. And I took his advice, which was a massive risk, right? But um, you know, I knew myself 
And I knew that I had worked hard for 20 plus years and in, in the, in the, the jobs that I'd had and obviously in banking and something that I never expected to be in. So if I was going to do something else, I was going to throw myself into it and not, you know, go to an organization and try to find another job while I was doing that. And that was just my, my prerogative. And, and then, so that would have been January, February. And then in March, I wrote a business plan for Luminary. You're a, you're an example of of the power of just talking your ideas out with other people, you know. Yeah, and, and then and then taking in an ex and, and preparing, right? Right. So I wrote a business plan. Yeah. I looked at my PNL and and figuring out could I do this and could I self fund this? And that was mm-hmm. a big part of of what I was doing, and it, and it will always be that because I did not go to the market. I didn't take any funds. I I self funded this and. Um, the reason I could do that was back to the money question is I saved my money, right? I've, mm-hmm. I've, I, the bonuses that, that we get as bankers, I, I put that into savings and I didn't live above my means. And so I could take that, didn't know I was going to do that. But then when the tip push came to shove, it was like, why not? Um, I'm putting my money where my mouth is and talking about helping and supporting women. And, and that's what I wanted to do. You know, um, I've covered a lot of bonuses in my career as a journalist. Uh, December, January reporting is always yeah. fun uh, about like the average bonus that Wall Street received, uh, average Wall Streeter. And it's no doubt that the city, the economy here in New York is often around the winter time, like it's uh, supported by Wall Street bonuses. Um, real estate is supported by Wall Street bonuses. Boat purchases are supported by Wall Street bonuses. <laughs> and I love hearing that you did not participate in that uh, to the extent that you were able to save to build this incredible business. That's that's quite uh, it's quite a mark. Uh, and I, I want to know now, how did you get this financial savvy other than, of course, maybe just working in the industry and, and learning the right and wrong? Yeah, you know, honestly, I'll start with that. Like knowing, you know, I covered clients for so many years, and from small to large, and and certainly, particularly the last couple of years, looking at the environment with with the amount of um, capital that is out there, and and pretty cheap capital. Um, but for me, it was if I was going to take this step, uh, I wanted to control the situation, and I wanted to build something that I would want to go to, that I know the women that I had worked with and supported, and the women that were out there would go to without having someone else telling what, what I should do or what I shouldn't do. Um, and, and really, there, there was one answer. I had to sell funds and, and not go and ask someone because the minute you do that, you, you lose that autonomy and that control. And that's not to say that I never would, uh, especially as we look at expansion, et cetera. But for me, for now, that was what I built this business on, the P&L on. And going back to where did I get that sort of why did I save and why didn't I do those purchases? Listen, I, I, I absolutely invested my money in certain things like a home. Um, but for me, it all goes back to my upbringing. You know, my parents were very, my father was an FBI agent. My mother was a teacher. And it was all about living um, at your means, not above your means, and also saving. And from as, as soon as I could, whether that was babysitting or lemonade stands to working um, as a lifeguard and footlocker and all these, you know, it was ingrained in me, get a job, work hard. Um, and I did that all through college. So I think that's always been there, but I have to credit my parents because they, they instilled in that with, with myself and both of my brothers. Hmm. 
is there a specific memory you have that is just <laughs> like it deserves a chapter in your biography? <laughs> Uh, so I, specifically I often, about around yes, money too. Yeah. <laughs> so I often tell the story because to, especially to my nieces and nephews and I have nine of them mm-hmm. um, is when we were young through, we graduated from high school. Um, when we were to get, when we received money from our grandparents or someone else for our birthday or for Christmas, we literally got to hold the bill in our hands and then my dad would snatch it out. And he's like, that's going in your college savings account. Hmm. So we got that sort of rush of, oh, that's a $50 bill or that's a $100 bill or whatever you got on your sweet 16 or whatever. And then that was gone. It was right into a savings account and that paid for our college, right? All of that, as well as what my parents saved and then working all of those, you know, summers and, and during the school year and then obviously working through college. But that was for me that great. You see the money you got. Now we're going to save that and invest it for your future. And it's always been like that. All right. So, but as you accumulated money and you got to become a wealthy woman, were there any changes you made in how you treated yourself? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I think I'm a, I'm a love shopping and I love clothes. So I think absolutely. My taste definitely got more expensive as I started to make more money, but, but I, you know, again, living, I I don't want to live to work. I want to work. I mean, sorry, I I want to, I don't want to live to work. I want to work to live. And what I mean by that is live at your means, right? So I didn't need a summer house and I didn't need a boat. None of those things are bad, but that's just not what I wanted to put my money into, whether it was shopping. I love to travel. Um, so a lot of my, I would say that disposable income when I could, and I could take time off, went into traveling. If it wasn't for business, I love to travel. So a lot of that was built around where could I go and, and what new place could I see? Hmm. This question comes from our sponsor, Chase. We want to know, Kate, do you have a financial resolution this year? To become cash flow positive. Yes. We want that. We want Luminary to be all around for many, many more years and have more babies. I'd love to maybe talk about something you learned through a failure, a money failure. You know, uh, it doesn't have to be, I don't think it's, in, knowing you, it's probably nothing crazy, but, you know, we all learn sometimes through hard lessons. And was there a financial lesson that you learned maybe even early on in life as you were just starting out? Yes, I, I, as much as we saved uh, the cash that we got, I never understood really what financial literacy meant. And, and when I say that, an APR, a credit card. So my freshman year of college, um, there was lots of credit card offers on campus. And it was really exciting because you got a T-shirt or something. And I remember it was a $500 <laughs> limit. And first time I went to the mall with my girlfriends, it was so exciting. It's like, woo, I can use this. And then I remember my first bill and I was like, okay, here's my minimum payment, whatever, $10. And then I would get the next, I'm like, why is this not going down? I'm paying the minimum payment. And I literally, I mean, cause I, I, I just couldn't understand. And I called my older brother and I said, I have a problem. I have this credit card bill. I can't pay it off because I'm paying for books and everything else. And he said, well, what are you paying a month? And I said, the minimum, he said, there's something called an APR. And literally that was the first time. And he's five years older. So he had a little bit of experience and he paid my credit card bill. And he said, now never use your credit card again, unless it's an emergency. Mm-hmm. But I, I had no idea. And I think that was, you know, I, I know now they teach that in high school. And I think they should teach it at even a younger age is this, finan- this, kind of, this financial literacy. Around, 
you know, how to save money, how to use your money, what does credit look like? Because there are so many more predatory lenders out there. Uh, and I think college kids, you know, they get excited. They, they don't have a disposable income for many. And so this was an easy way. But that was a huge lesson for me because I just didn't understand it. Um, and maybe in the back of my mind, that's, that's one of the reasons why I went into banking. But um, <laughs> to, to make sure, but but that is that probably my earliest memory of kind of that. Oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to pay this. And even though it was that five hundred dollars, as a you know eighteen year old college kid, that was a big deal. Right. They're not giving you the, uh, the credit card companies don't give you like the, the down and dirty as they're handing you the free t-shirt to go with your new credit card or whatever chat right. sheet it was Absolutely. at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Which, and then, the and way- then you get another one and do a balance transfer. Like, this is great. I never have to pay. Right. Uh, I mean, right. It's gotten better. Right. But, but oh, again, I, as, same, as a, yeah. same thing happened to me, Kate. I've, I, I mean, I feel like you were, describing to the T, like exactly what I went through <laughs> as a young, you know, freshman at Penn State, just going down College Avenue and, and maybe, you know, a 20 minute walk later, I have three new credit cards and yes. uh, I yeah. graduated. Yeah. I checked my credit report after graduating or a few years after graduating when I just actually learned what a credit report was and surprised <laughs> to find out that I actually had like four or five credit cards that I never quite opened or used, but I had signed up for them because I wanted the freebie. Um, so I always tell uh, young people, like if you want to open story. up a new credit card, actually go into your history and see if you already have one because you may have sub- somehow along the way signed up for something and not and realized that will it. haunt you. That mm-hmm. could haunt you for a very long time. I had a, I remember, you know, say, like same thing at University of Maryland. I got a store credit card from one of the, you know, the Gap or something, and you, you forget about it. And then lo and behold, I'm trying to buy my first house. I'm like, what is this? And there was a you know, a, a payment that I missed and that has an impact. And I think, again, the younger we can learn about that, um, the better. And so I, I am very supportive of these programs, especially in the, even the elementary schools and middle schools that teach financial literacy. I volunteer and I'm on the board of Girls Inc. nationally. And that mm-hmm. is a big program that we invest in because we do not want the economy to, to take a tumble, right? If there's so much debt. And we know that these kids are coming out of college now with so much student debt. Um, let's not make it harder for them. Yeah. My goodness, so much more we could talk about, but I want to wrap now with some so many fill in the blanks, Kate. This is just like stream of consciousness. First thing yeah. that comes to mind, fill the gap. Okay. The one thing I would do, the first thing I would do if I won the lottery is... Pay off all of my parents' bills and make sure they never had a bill for medical um, ever again. Mm. Yeah, the medical bill is such a wild card. The medical expenses, such such an yeah. unknown in retirement. It's so important to save. Um, one thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Well, I could say clothing because it does make me feel better. But I would say now that I am an entrepreneur, my staff. Yes. Good, good people. Yeah. It's good people. The hiring process is, is uh, a tough one. I haven't done it a lot. I haven't gone through it a lot, but I feel like, um, people sometimes rush to hire and then it's really hard to fire people. (laughs) It is. And you know, it, it, you are only as good as your team, right? So that's in any kind of job. So it's important to, uh, to not just, 
pay them, but develop them. And, and that's a big part of what makes my life easier. It always has. And even in my you know 20 years in banking. Hmm. Okay. Um, one thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is... What's an APR? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to save you some, uh, some surprise envelope openings in exactly. college. Uh, when I donate, I like to give to blank because... The girls ink. Mm-hmm. Because they are helping underserved communities of girls that are the next generation of female leaders. And last but not least, I'm Kate Luzio. I'm so money because... I self-funded. Yes, woman. That is everything. Oh, I wish I could give that gift to all women to be able to have the financial empowerment and independence to be able to go out there and do what they want and not have to stand in front of a male board of VCs as so many do and get shut down just because of the the outfit they're wearing or whatever. Um, And let's prepare these women that, and not everybody's able to self-fund, but let's work with these women mm -hmm. that want to start companies to prepare them financially, whether they're a new entrepreneur, they're pivoting. And I think it's really important. It's, an, it's you know part of the reason why we started Luminary. Well, wishing you all the best. I'm going to be visiting Luminary very soon, hopefully um, having a fireside chat uh, yes. there very We're soon. Very and look forward to connecting with everyone there. And, and um, thank you for inspiring us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bernice. Looking forward to seeing you soon. To learn more about Kate and Luminary, please visit luminary-nyc.com and you can follow them on Instagram at BeALuminary. All this information is at somoneypodcast.com. You can also click on Ask Farnoosh while you're there and send me your question or voicemail me your question for our Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh. And of course, follow me on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi, where I'm often answering your questions on the go. So if you've got something that's a little bit more timely, need an answer, that's the best place to get my attention. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. Money.